Welcome to Divine Downloads, the podcast where you get both the spiritual and strategic tools to help you create your best life. I'm your host, Cassandra Bozak, and today I am so, so excited to share with you, I feel like one of my own little white babies, um, Christine Gutierrez. Did I say your last Gutierrez. name right? Gutierrez. 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 Yeah, good. So much sexier. Like. <laughs> Um, she is the author of the new book, I Am Diosa, which um, has just been super exciting because we actually, Christine was in my Lightmaker book birthing group, feels like eons ago, and I remember when this book was a glimmer in her eye, and to have read it and seen how beautiful, it's truly an encapsulation of the work that Christine has been doing with women for years now, um, both as a therapist and a healer, and someone who really helps women bring back the pieces of their soul and reclaim who they are. Um, and um, welcome, Christine. It is so excited to have you on the podcast. <laughs> so pumped to be here, and I, I love that we got to have this beautiful personal experience with it, so that you saw from the beginning to now, because you know, it, it is a process like with everything. So it's beautiful to have people that have seen it from idea into form yeah. and how much hard work and then for it to now be here. Absolutely. And I think, you know, something that someone who is listening, maybe that's never written a book or doesn't know the process or whatnot. I think sometimes you can read a book and you can be like, did this person just decide they wanted to write about this and like think about this concept and I feel like it's there's something so refreshing and so distinctly different when you have a book like this that is truly from you were doing this work for years before you wrote the book on it you know you were in the trenches with women having this experience with your clients obviously having your own experiences in life with it as well and so I think that really speaks to the book you see that this is not some oh, hypothetical way you could go on this journey. This is really grounded tools that have been used time and time again to help it. And so, so first and foremost, let's talk about your, your work and this book. I feel like there's, they are one and the same, really. Yeah. Soul reclamation. That's kind of the word that I got when I read the book. It's, it's, this is the journey of soul reclamation, coming back home to your soul. Can you explain what that is in layman's terms to the world? <laughs> so for me, one of my big influences is uh, Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. So for those of you that do not know her book, Women Who Run With the Wolves is one of them. And it's fantastic. And I actually got the chance to study with her in person. Oh, um, She's getting up there in her age. And I was like, I got to get in in person before um, before anything happens, God forbid. So I got the privilege to, to study with her. And part of that was uh, talking about how to reclaim your original voice, but also talking about the dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, there's many different experiences in life that take away a piece of us. And so that can come from our early childhood trauma. That can come from a relationship where someone was being really abusive. That can come from many different moments. And in life, we, we tend to see this as this kind of, you know, very clinical thing as a therapist. But what I thought was really beautiful is that in the spiritual world, it is very similar in the scientific world. But the way I describe it is anytime where you've been told you weren't good enough. Anytime that you were put down, there's a piece of light that leaves your body, let's say. And if you imagine your body as a vessel, then those little pieces and sparks of light that float away from you, you need to gather them back. And so if you imagine the light as this spark from your soul, then you go on a journey to finding where those sparks were lost. Where in the timeline of your life have you lost those sparks? And how can you go revisit them through journeying, through meditation, through, you know, shamanic exercises, through therapy to be able to piece back together yourself. And sometimes you come back in an even more powerful way because you put the pieces back where you want them, where they belong. And so soulful reclamation is about returning to that space of your true self, returning to that space of the self that 
was you before you were injured. And so uh, our instincts are injured, our, our intuition gets injured, our self-esteem, our sense of self gets injured. And it's our journey as these spiritual beings in this human body to really find those places and love them up as much as we can. And what was that moment for you, if you had a moment where you realized that your soul was fractured or that you were missing these pieces? Was it, was it, a, was it a specific moment or was it kind of a condition of being that emerged? Yeah, I think that there's two parts. One is that we all have some sort of split the moment we come to this earth, right? Because we become incarnate in flesh. And so therefore there is a process that separates the mundane from the spirit. And so that's why, you know, prayer and meditation is so powerful because it becomes like the invisible bridge to connect back to those worlds. So that's the first piece is that we all have disconnected in some way just by being born. The second part of that is that how deeply we can remember that we are more than the flesh uh, is the journey. But what happens is, is that we have moments in our lives where we are told directly, you are not divine. And so in my case, that looked like, you know, verbal abuse. And so that verbal abuse translated to that you aren't divine because if someone's speaking to you that way, then how can you be a piece of diosa? How can you be a piece of divine? You can't. And so in that moment for me, um, you know, it was that A, remembering because I had a very distinct kind of um, connection to suffering and pain. And I was very aware from a young age that there was a lot of suffering in the world. And I wanted to make it better. So that was my first awareness that something was wrong, that 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 soul or spirit or love wasn't present everywhere. Um, and it hurt me deeply. And I wanted to make a change. And the second part of that was when I directly experienced it in my family home. And when I directly experienced it, now it wasn't just the world out there was fragmented. It was also my inner world. And so then I realized that in both spaces that there needed to be a journey to healing. And so that was the first time I became aware of it, but that obviously continued on because we have patterns in life. And so once you experience that first, you replay it. And so uh, I wouldn't, after that, it wasn't just one moment, it was many moments, but absolutely that was the first big aha, which was this abuse is taking me away from my spirit. Yeah. And when do you, when you work with women and when women have come to you or to your retreats or your mastermind, what what often do you hear from them was like that moment that was like or or like I said maybe it was a buildup of moments where they decided I need help right like I know that this 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 has happened and I want to heal it and I don't know how what kind of moments happen for women or you know perhaps it's I guess what I'm trying to get at is for someone that's listening right now that might be experiencing this what does it manifest as in, in the mundane? Like, what does it oh, yeah. manifest in everyday life? Such a good question. I mean, feeling like you're disconnected, feeling like you're hitting a roadblock, a dead end. Like, you keep coming up to the same road and it's like, it's the same thing again and again. Feeling like you're not yourself. Feeling like you're, um, you're not being valued for your divinity, for who you are. So it, it can look like, you know, a fucked up relationship where someone's telling you, you know, you're not good enough or you're not enough or making you feel less than who you really are. And maybe a part of you believes you deserve that, but there's another part of you that knows like I deserve more than this. And so there usually comes some kind of point in, in my client's lives where they come and say, you know, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I don't want to do this anymore. I want to progress and prayfully if we are um honest with ourselves that we continue to find moments like that the the situations might be upgraded right to different kind of levels but that we will always be looking and seeing you know how can i love myself deeper and so the opposite of that is you know all the moments where you're really finding yourself not loving yourself or someone not loving you and those are usually the two things that bring people in i'm really tired of self sabotaging to myself whether it's over drinking over fucking over you know eating over something or under right blocking myself off closing myself down to people or you're in dynamics or relationships that that don't serve you 
And so there's, those usually are the two ways that people come into me and say, let's do this. Let's go to the root of this. I want to figure this out. I want to make a change. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, there's so many, so many ways that that shows up in our lives. And I think it's so beautiful how our soul's voice, as you call it, um, really is always there trying to like tap on our shoulder and be like, hey, you know, even even in those times in our lives where we have accepted less than we knew we were worthy of or oh, yeah. sabotaged, there's always been that little flicker, you know, of being like, oh, but maybe I, you know, and, oh, yeah. um, I love how you, you kind of break it down into three phrases in the book phases, not phrases, <laughs> the departure from the soul, the initiation, and then coming back to the soul. So can you just explain us a little bit about what that, I know that's a, a big process, but can you explain kind of, you know, we talked a little bit about the departure of the soul. So that kind of happens early on when you realize that you have a body, you're not a body, but now you have a body. So there's a split there. And then somehow in childhood and actually before we get into this I want to touch this because I love this in your book because this was huge in my journey um was that sometimes trauma isn't what we conventionally think trauma of you know we I love that you wrote like we all have childhood trauma This, this was a revelation for me in seeing my own childhood trauma and healing it because sometimes we look at, and I'm sure you see this in your programs, I see this in my programs all the time, and we like to look at other people's stuff and be like, well, their stuff is so much worse, so how dare I think this is bad, right? And I I love that you bring that up, because it's something that, as a therapist, I am trained to validate people's experience, right? Whatever your experience is. And so, in that way, it is very specific to if something hurt you or disconnected you, there's no level right obviously we know that there's more intense traumas right that are more traumatic in some ways or uh more shocking but in our own experience when someone is going through something that's very real for that person and this happens a lot with the white women that i've um that i've worked with where they'll be like well it wasn't that big of a deal you know especially because the clients that i track i work mostly with women of color but all women and some men (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh, the people that come to me, the white women that come to me are people that have experienced trauma or maybe attracted to my work because, you know, they're one of the, the ones that I call the real ones, right? The ones that get it, that have put in the work and they will tell me things like, oh, well, you know, I had a mom that put up my report card. Uh, and if it was a B, if it was B, she would tell me that that wasn't good enough. And I remember being like, that's some sort of emotional abuse, you know, that's a having a high level of perfectionism in your home can be really traumatizing for your self-esteem. Oh no, but she didn't call me any names. I said, yeah, but she was putting something up that did that experience cause you to feel less than yes. And that small example was not something small for this person. It was big and it, and it, and it, and it created a, 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 a language internally that was, unless I'm an A in everything, I'm nothing. So eating disorder and, and so traumas are very different and traumas are very different culturally as well. And so it's important that we validate every single person's unique traumas and dissect what that looks like for them. And so I love that you said that it was like a revelation for you to realize, wait, it might've not looked like their trauma, right? But in your case, you realize that, wait a minute, this was traumatizing for me. This was traumatizing for me. And, and that's important that everyone knows you have the right to claim whatever hurts you as traumatic for you. Absolutely. And I think that is, you know, a lot of what you talk about in the book, too, is not being afraid to go into those kind of dark places, to go into those wounds and to and I'm a big believer of that, too. I like have this saying that, like, if you just like you can put like pink icing on like a poop cupcake and it's still poop, <laughs> right? So it's like, we have to change the original cupcake and then we can put whatever icing we want on it. Yep. But, and so much of that is really looking at, well, how did you get to be the way you are? And so many of us can relate to those terms like, you know, not feeling worthy or not feeling good enough or, or all those things. But but what my not feeling worthy is and what you're not feeling worthy is and what someone else is not feeling worthy is, is going to be 
you know, their own little elixir of memories that created that. So what do you advise someone that is like, okay, I want to go back. I want to look at it. Is this something they can do on their own? Or is this something that you only really recommend as a therapist? So because of my training, I always recommend people to go to therapy anyway. And especially right now, if you can get, you know, free resources or low, um, low, uh, they have scholarships. Um, I'll give a resource as well for a, a, a therapist that gives scholarships for those that are in financial need. But I really do believe that we can do some things alone, but that it doesn't hurt and it especially helps to have a therapist. And so, you know, in my book, I talk about this is a deep journey. So only go as, you know, far as you can go or bring the book into your therapist and, and do the, these questions, explore these questions with your therapist, like literally open up the chapter and say, hey, these are the questions that Christine is writing in the book. I, I would love to unpack these with you. And so depending on how deep it goes and, and what feelings come up for you, then, then I would say, you know, be a good steward to yourself and take care of yourself enough to say this is too much and I'm going to get support. Um, for me, therapy is a, a perfect go-to. I think everyone should have it in their self-care kit. And maybe it's not something that you, maybe you go through seasons where you go for three months or six months or a year, or maybe just do some booster sessions, but I highly recommend having it. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Therapy is uh, something that's in my self-care toolbox and something that especially um, you talk about in the book, I used EMDR to heal a lot of the trauma in my childhood, and that was through my therapist. And I think whether it's a therapist or it's even someone like a coach like you and I, having someone else outside of you that can really listen to you, hold the space, and also be really responsible in closing that container when the session ends so that it's not like flowing over. Um, But I think this is important work. This is important work. And just to, to, so you talk about our, and I love this analogy about how our emotional wounds are doors. Can you just explain a little bit more and how does someone safely walk through those? Yeah, I, I feel like they're little portals into information. Yes. And, um, if you imagine that every single emotional wound holds information, it holds downloads, it holds um, powerful kind of keys in order for you to access those doors in your life, right? And so when you look at, let's say, for example, the wounds of abandonment, you're like, I'm so scared that every person that I am going to be with is going to leave me. Then that can potentially be the key that opens up the door to your sense of feeling at home in yourself, no matter what. But in order to do that, right, you have to go there. You have to go to that core so that you can explore where did this come from? How does it impact me? How can I give myself the love that I need in order to establish my own sense of inner security, right? Because the opposite of abandonment would be having inner security within self and spirit. And so when you do that, you literally are handed a key. And that key will open up a new psychological pathway that will open up literal doors in your life as well because you start to change things. And when you start to change things internally, you do start to see external consequences of those changes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things I like to remind people, because there is extensive work you can do, like we talked about with EMDR and EFT, and there's all these different modalities and stuff. But this simple act of, I love that visual that you said, like the wound is a portal, the wound is a door, right? If you can see it, and I think even on the level of being able to identify, right? Being able to just identify and say, shit, I totally have a fear of abandonment. Okay, well now it's not an unconscious pattern anymore right? Now it has so much less power in your life, even if you don't know exactly how to heal it off the, just being in that space of being like, I'm willing to heal this. I'm willing to look at this. It's going to completely change how you dance with it. Yeah. That, I mean, well, that's the first step even, right? Like, so even that is part of the healing. And I think people are so focused on the end result that you don't realize that the medicine and the magic is in that journey. It is in the dark womb of change. Right. And so it is that space where you become the cosmic child, where you become 
the baby kind of in the womb of darkness, which is the change, right? It's scary. It's uncomfortable. It's unknown. But when you give yourself the chance to name it, like you said, naming things is important. And as you name it, it's, it, you know, I, I also give this analogy to people where it's like, if you have a dirty house, it's easy to see the dust everywhere. You know, you can see it. But when it's your internal psyche and in emotional terrains, it's harder to see it. You see it afterwards in a pattern. And so we have to find ways to kind of uncover and dust off, right? Our bones, our artifacts that are living inside our emotions and naming them is one way that we can do this. Literally naming it becomes a powerful tool that you can use forever and you don't need anyone to do that. You can ask questions to yourself and answer them. You can ask spirit to help you go to those questions. Help me remove the veil over my eyes so that I can see what I don't want to see. Not what you want to see, because that's easy. What you don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. The, that's the real stuff. Which brings, which brings me to the next one. You talk about, you know, looking at our shadow. And you have this practice in the book that I, I thought was so interesting. Because I don't think I've seen something in this way before. Um, called your dark word. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, coming up with your dark word explain this, explain this concept, if you will, because I think this is going to be really powerful for people. Yeah. So essentially the, in, in the book, it's like a spiral shape um, of quote unquote dark words or shadow words. It's in an infinity symbol. And that was my husband's idea to put the, the, the symbol like that. But um, I have a practice in my Diosa retreats where you'll get um, a word, you know, you'll get a, a dark word, a shadow word, and you will pick it out of a basket, right? And in this case, in the book, you're closing your eyes and you're tracing the, the, um, the infinity symbol until you ask your spirit to stop, just like you will with any kind of oracle card or anything like that. And when you stop, you're saying, it's not to say that you are that, right? And making someone feel like you're, you know, you're this awful person, this dark word, but it can be a word. Some of the words are, you know, crazy or um, bratty, um, insecure, right? Um, not good enough. And so they come face to face with that word and really embody it. In the retreats, we have all sort of shamanic experiences where we're evoking that emotion and I will become the dark word and kind of uh, speak as the wound would speak so that clients can mm -hmm. actually feel it on an embodied level. But in this, in this case, you're just connecting with the word and you're seeing how does this word show up in my life? You know, what are the ways in which that I, you know, I've been insecure? What are the ways that I've been bratty? And you embody that and you look at it. And so um, this process allows you to kind of look at the disowned parts of your personality, which is what Carl Jung would say about the shadow, right? Those are the disowned parts of us, but that still exist within us. They're the parts of us that we kind of push aside because we don't want to associate with them, but they're there. And, you know, it's hard. Some of, there's still some shadow words that I'm like, I don't want to own that about me because <laughs> they're hard. Yeah. They're, the more you do it, you realize you're like, ugh, that one's ugly. That one's not as cute, right? And there will be some that you feel more comfortable owning. You know, um, there for whatever reason, you know, for I, I heard uh, Gabby once say that she was more comfortable um, owning the word uh, alcoholic or addict, but not codependent because codependent wasn't as sexy to her brain. And I remember when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, it's so true because some shadows are not as cute. You yep. know, being really needy is, you don't feel as like cool, but maybe if it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a little bitchy sometimes, maybe that feels more comfortable for you to own that shadow. So what I encourage people to do is also, even if you feel like the word doesn't resonate, play with what that looks like in your life. See what that looks like and get to know the ones that you really have hidden because the more you do that, the, the better those unconscious patterns will come to the surface. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, look at that, even looking at that list and being like, well, what are the ones that I like really don't like, you know, the um, Debbie Ford has a lot of that work, right? Where it says like the qualities that you look at in someone else that you're most triggered by, that you're most disgusted by are the ones that you've most disowned within yourself and to really like take a look. And that was really crazy because when you look at that, you're, you actually see how I, when I was doing this work, I discovered how sometimes we create our whole life to just not be that word, 
right? Like we'll just like counter things so much instead of just accepting it so we can come back into balance with who we truly are. Um, and such, such powerful work. And then that goes into you really talking about how our wounds are our wisdom, which is, you know, in a way kind of starting to turn the corner, right? Yeah. That's when, you know, we talked about those three phases. That's like the final phase where you're really starting to arrive back home to yourself with this newfound knowledge, with the tools that you gained on the journey, with the ups and downs and the relapses and the lessons you've learned from the emotional relapses and the, um, the, through the trials, you gain new information about yourself and it's kind of like a spiritual war, right? And so you come out victorious sometimes and sometimes you don't, but you learn. And as you learn, you apply those lessons in your life. And one thing that I, you know, I try to tell people is, you know, in a very grounded way, we're always going to have life thrown at us. You know, like, I don't want anyone to, to see me or read a book and be like, you know, there's just one moment and everything's, you know, good. Do things change? Yes, absolutely. But life still sucks sometimes, you know, and that's important for people to remember too, so that they know, even when you return home to yourself, there will still be life. And so what I rather people focus on instead of being happy all the time or being, you know, energetic all the time is how can I pivot back to center as, you know, in the healthiest way possible? And how can I give myself the compassion, the nourishment, the, the space to be able to be gentle with myself when life happens? And so it'll help you then be able to return home to yourself in such a more loving way in such a more grounded way and in a sustainable way because when you see that your wounds are wisdom you give yourself permission to know this is not about eradicating all wounds and making them all go away there's going to be some parts of you that are always going to be a little weird a little interesting a little quirks and you know volume too high on certain parts of our personality and that's okay but how can we just get better at it in a way that works for us and so um this is you know one of my favorite things about 12 steps is not the, the saying that they say it's not perfection, right? It's progress, progress over perfection. And I really believe that that's like the key to this work is progress over perfection. We're going to stumble, we're going to mess up, but let's keep gaining whatever wisdom we can get from our wounds. And when we have really amazing seasons in our life, appreciate them, love them. When we have hard seasons, appreciate those good seasons <laughs> and sink into them and, and gain your strength, right? Because remember, you're collecting that light. So in a way, you're fueling up for those moments when you don't have as much, right? Because you never know. And I know that that's something that you teach as well, because I've heard you mention similar words where it's like, you never know when you're not going to be like super charged up. So when you are, gear yourself up, get yourself ready, do your practices. So that when shit happens, when shit hits the fan, you can resort to that memory bank of that embodied experience of the work that you've done and you know wounds to wisdom is that this is for me the the magic of of life is that we get to be alchemists that we get to um go through things and you know that i wouldn't wish on anyone but that if they happen to you wow you know such incredible souls have come um from these experiences and you know i i pray for a world where we don't have to go through those things um but for now I still know many people are living with them from fucked up childhood. So for that reason, I say, let's find medicine from our wounds. Yeah, I absolutely, I love that. And that's, yeah, the metaphor I always use is life is always going to throw hurricanes at you. So the best thing you can do is make sure your skyscraper is built on a strong foundation, which I feel like is obviously a lot of the work that I do, but is a lot of the work in this book too, is like, this is not a one-time process. No. This is like a forever process. So you go through it one time and maybe the first time you do it, you're looking at a bunch of stuff because you're like, oh my God, I haven't looked at this much stuff. But then you just come back to it too. And that's one of the things that I feel like I know you do this. I say this all the time. It's like when I give any of the tools that I give in my like courses or anything I teach, I'm like, no guys, don't get this. I still do this right? Like I still do this all the time. Maintenance. Spiritual yeah. maintenance. maintenance is so important because there is no, you know, we talk about like the 3D or the 5D or like whatever. You don't get to live in a 
alternate dream universe. Like you're here on earth and we're going to have to deal with some earth stuff. And yes, we're lucky that we have some spiritual experiences that bring us into that oneness and bring us into that bliss. So important. You know, but the life, the life journey is about that. And I love you actually, I thought it was really cool. You talk about the body's healing process and relate it to kind of how to, to, to your own relapse journey. Like you give people in the book, this little relapse process, which I think is so important. And I'm so glad that you did it. I know that both of us have a 12 step background, me for my body stuff and, um, you for alcohol, right? And so I think that's one of the things that is that I I feel like reminds me of that, right? Where it's like, let's like, let's just get back on track. Like, let's not like stay, like, let's not delay in that. Let's just get back on track. And normalizing what healing really looks like. Because one of the things that I found uh, in my experience was that a lot of mainstream spirituality, it was very much so missing the humanity in it you know, missing the, 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 the part of it that's like, let's talk about the, it's not a fun thing to read when you're like, great, cool. I have to still do this. So boring. This sucks. It's dark. Yeah, it is dark. I I can't just, I just can't like visualize like like my pink Mercedes Benz all day. And that's like, like so intricate, right? Cause it's like, we do this manifestation work too, which I really do believe in. And and I do do that work. And it's important for me to do that because I have to have a vision for what I want to step into it. But with that said, life is so intricate and psychological meat is needed in order to add to this. So for me, that looked like telling people, Hey, I know it's not as sexy to read this. I know it's kind of whack. I know it's boring. I know it's darker. And it's just like my, not boring. <laughs> I mean, it can be, you know, it can be, you're like shit again. But the truth is, is that that really is what it looks like in real life. In real life, when my clients come back to me, that's really what it looks like is again and again and again, they come hitting that same wall until they finally are, are like, okay, th- this is going to change. So it does look more like that. And so I wanted also the book to be that way. Well, I tell people, this is not a light book. You know, this is not the kind of book you're going to, it's a lot of work, you know, and it's the same thing when people come to my retreats. I'm like, if you're not willing to like take out your swords and like chop shit down and cry and purge, it's like a spiritual surgery. Don't do it. Cause it's yeah. not a like light thing. But yeah. What you find on the other side of that is bliss and is power and is beauty. And that's something that, you know, I, I pray to be able to, I'm in the middle of that season still where I'm really good at the dark stuff and I'm less good at the joy and the more chill. So some of my work will start to, you know, embody that as well. And I pray that I can have lighter books that will embody that kind of joy and bliss. But what I know for sure is, is that, having relapses, having moments where you mess up. I just want to normalize it. Let people know it's okay. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. If you suffer from mental health illness, if you're in a situation that's violent, there's so many factors that are involved. So be easy, be gentle. It's normal. It's all good. And, and, and just knowing that is so powerful for people because it validates that they're not alone and that they're not crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's so necessary. And, you know, I want to talk, I really want to talk to you about the kind of the meeting of these two worlds, right? Of this like spiritual healing world. And then we see this, you know, spiritual manifesting world, right? That for me and my experience, one of the things that, like you said, having the vision holding that vision. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but, but I would spend every morning literally fantasizing quote unquote about like my future because my car, my, my present was so painful that that became like an anchor into some level of hope. And then what I see as, you know, as I've gone on my, my own journey of healing my trauma and really looking at some not fun ish that went down in my life. Um, I've noticed that when I really started to do that work, it was a whole different level of really the manifesting and stuff, right? Because so much of, you know, what there's a lot of like, what I like to call like sexy manifesting out there (laughs) where it's, you know, let's, you know, do X, Y, and Z and believe that you can have it and all that stuff. 
And then some people are doing these, whatever, these manifesting practices that they see on Instagram or wherever they see it, you know, and they maybe wonder, like, it doesn't work for me. Like, why isn't it working for me? And I actually feel like so much of that is actually because if you're not, like, we're never done with this work, (laughs) right? But if you're not at least doing some of this work, if you're not reclaiming those parts of your soul, if you're not working on healing, it's harder to even get to that space of manifesting, right? Absolutely. And, and, And I believe that the problem was in the commercializing of something where, first of all, to be fair, you know, Instagram is not the kind of place where you're going to be able to describe everything, right? You can't describe everything. So you don't have as much depth. That's why having books or being able to have conversations allow you to add more depth to a conversation that's needed. But with that said, there were a lot of books, you know, a lot of attraction, a lot of, you know, a lot of things that were very geared on the very practical steps to manifesting something, but it doesn't talk about, you know, um, the realities of what it takes to do that, you know, i.e. internally, like you're speaking to, right? Like I got to do the deep work while also maintaining a vision. I did both, right? Like I was going to therapy, I was doing the hard work. I was trying to get out of an abusive relationship. And I was also visualizing, you know, not the whole time, but once I understood that this was part of it, I would visualize and I would, you know, dream up my business and I would journal in my notebook. And those journals and all those things that I wrote about what I wanted was a very innocent part of my soul manifesting its vision, my soul vision. And so don't think that that's like some corny thing that doesn't work. It works. It's just simultaneously do your inner work, right? Simultaneously show up to the, to the problems in the world and the problems inside and visualize. Visualize what you want, add texture, add depth to it. Think, embody, and feel all of those things you want. The two don't have to be separate. They can go hand in hand. And I think the only thing that was missing was that they were adding, they were lacking that very important detail of that, you know, like the unsexy part, right? Yeah. Manifesting. Because you, you're you not going to be able to have anything unless you do that or keep it. So, you know, don't don't feel bad if you've been doing that, but just know that you should be, that you should do the work and that you can still do the vision boards, write down the dreams. You know, this is such a sacred, important part of the process. It's like an innocent child dreaming of the future. Those visions are what bring changes to the world. We have to use our imaginations to craft a better world. We have to do the hard work necessary to craft a better world. We need it now more than ever. So hold the visions do the the visualizations but also do the work yeah and what do you what do you say to the school of thought that's like well we always have to keep our vibe high and we always have to be positive thinking and we always have to like be in our joy because when we let that you know if we let that drop or we let ourselves go into like the funkiness then we're pushing away that i call that a sociopath i call that a psychologically ungrounded, unhealthy, and dangerous mentality. Um, you know, I think that there's so much toxic positivity, right? I, I don't know who coined that term, but there's a term that many of us have probably seen if you're in this world is toxic positivity. And if you haven't heard what that means is essentially the over glamorization of positive emotions over human emotions. And so they label, you know, high vibe and you know, constantly feeling a certain way as happy, et cetera, as good and labeling human emotions like confusion, scared, fear as bad, which is really, really toxic because we are human beings that have a multitude of emotions. And so it would be dangerous to deny ourselves the very real emotions that human beings feel, right? And so even if you notice, um, you know, if you ever met people in the yoga community, and they have a very muted affect and their, their voice all sounds the same. There's no range in their voice. There's no, there's no true emotion of I'm angry about this in the world. That's scary. It's dangerous, you know? And so, you know, don't be scared to be human. What is important in, in anything, you can, you can manifest anything being human, right? <laughs> but what you need to do is remember that um, that framework came from a very, uh, a not psychologically based theory, right? 
And so it didn't come from a point of view of acknowledging people and and inviting people to validate their emotions. It came from a view of if you're only high vibe, then that's the only way you're going to manifest things. You can be heartbroken and sad and depressed and be in a space of wanting something, desiring something and still manifest it, you know, because there's a sincerity, there's a rawness. I think that, you know, there's a beauty to being able to acknowledge your emotions without living in that darkness of, you know, something negative or toxic. So for example, let's say you're single and you really want to manifest a partner and you're home at night one night and you're feeling really sad. You're feeling sad. You're feeling lonely. That's fucking normal. If you are, you know, yeah. 29, 35, whatever the fuck, and you want a certain thing to happen, it's not happening. And you're, you know, you're doing your best. You're showing up every day. You're doing all this work. You're fucking changing furniture in your house so that it matches yeah. your ideal list. And then you're sad one night because you're home alone and it's, you're a human and you have, your heart hurts because you're longing. And then someone tells you that because you did that, now you can't manifest. Imagine the pain and the shame that that person would feel. And they might blame themselves and say, well, I wasn't high vibe. I should be only in a state of joy. And that's not the reality. But instead, if we embrace that emotion as a tender emotion, that's part of the process, then you can invite yourself back to being like, okay, I'm going to give myself the space to come back and visualize, but also be human. You can still do both, I promise, and everything will turn out great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because it's so funny. Ironically, right before this conversation, I did like an Instagram story um, because this had come up with a couple of my clients yesterday. And then I was thinking about it this morning about how sometimes when we really desire something and we see someone else in the world that has it or we see it, you know, in the Instagram sphere or whatever, we can feel that level of like sadness or like, ugh you know? And, and I literally said, I was just like, why do we assume that that's bad? Like, why do we assume that that's bad? Like, what if, you know, you hear that story all the time. Like when someone wants a baby, they see everyone having a baby and then they're like, Oh, babies. Right. And it's like, what if that's a beautiful thing? What if it's beautiful that you're sad on the Friday night because your soul is so ready for your partner? It's a longing, you know? If you're angry at the way the world is, if you're angry at injustice, that's beautiful because it means you're alive. It means your heart's beating. It means your eyes are open to the reality. And it means that you have fire to create change, right? If you have too much water, which would be like the sadness, right? And you're feeling like, damn, I really want a baby. And, you know, all these people are having babies and you feel more emotional and watery. It's like, that's beautiful. Um, the difference is living in that and being a hater and being resentful. That's a whole nother yeah. story, but no one's exactly. saying because you feel something that it's a negative thing. So feel it and, and allow yourself to also feel. And so if this is a longing and a sadness, it means I desire it. And if I desire it, what would that feel like? So now yeah. you're doing both. You're allowing yourself to be human and you're visualizing. That is the medicine. That's what we need is the merging of psychologically grounded and spiritual and soulful. Absolutely. And I think just like you said before, like you can be in any current of the emotions and still manifest. And I feel like because so much of that is uh, my personal belief around manifestation is more about worthiness and alignment than it is about like joy and happiness necessarily. It's like, there are some things like everyone that's listening has manifested something already, right? Where maybe you manifested a free coffee because that's like not even a thing for you, right? You're like, well, of course I can get a free coffee or you manifest the parking space because you're just like, oh, I can get a parking space, right? It's just become, and so much of that worthiness, right? Where it comes to you after I did so much of this work and I feel like you have a similar kind of story with both of us called in our soul partners where it was, it was like an, it was like, well, of course I would attract him. Of course I would attract him, right? Um, whereas if it had been maybe five years earlier, I would have, I would have completely sabotaged it. Right. And not been able to hold it because there wasn't part of me that had done enough work to be worthy or to feel worthy, not to be worthy, but to feel exactly. That. And you have all, we both had the, all these mo- moments of like, will it happen? I'm nervous. Okay. Of course I think it's going to happen. And I, and I, again, normalizing the process of the waiting, right. It's the waiting. 
And in the waiting phase and the waiting season, we all are going to feel different emotions come up. As long as we're not being angry consistently for a long period of time and being like, you know, so hard, because of course nothing's going to happen because if you don't believe you're worthy, then of course nothing's going to happen. But again, that doesn't equate to allowing yourself to feel the feelings. So I love that you said that because I think it gives people the space to be like, okay, I can, I can, you know, I can be real. I can let myself feel things and simultaneously still envision things. I remember when I gave myself permission to do that. And I was like, me being in this longing and sadness is good because it means that I know that my heart's awake for what it wants, but I won't allow myself to say, no, you can't have it. And I'm not going to say that I have full faith today, but you know, when I was in the season of waiting for my partner, but I gave myself the space to say, okay, but I do want it. Maybe I don't feel fully, but I do want it. Let me do, let me work on myself as much as I can to, to be able to do the work so that I could heal. Right. And, you know, get sober and go to deeper work on my emotions. And so I think that, uh, it's an important part of waking up to the parts of spirituality that haven't been working and really integrating more grounded practices that will give people a healthy sense of self-esteem that's lasting and won't shame them for being a person. Yes. And I think that's the core. That's the core of it. It's the doing this work and this book. And like you said, it is not like, it isn't like a light retreat. This is like, uh, this is like a deep soul work retreat in a book. Like go take it with you to Joshua Tree. <laughs> Don't talk to anyone for a week or, you know, talk to your best yep. friend or your therapist but you know this it is a word of really looking at yourself and seeing those places and I think that is something that it's needed times a thousand because one of the things like we just talked about before we even started recording was that you know people can look outwardly whatever they see on Instagram or whatever they see and we uh, you know, of a lot of people try to show uh, the full breath as much as we can, but it's impossible. It's no, impossible. Nor do you know. want to. Do no. you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, I mean, at least that's not my personality. It never has been. I don't know if it's because originally I was trained as a therapist or just because of the way I am. Like, I do believe that, you know, the obsession with needing to show everything on that is like, we don't have to. Right. And so we all know that, you know, hopefully you know this. And if you don't, you know, <laughs> know it that every next level requires a next level of work. And that means that you will come across tests, right? Which is like what happens when you leave and you're in the journey of the trials and you're going to have those tests in every next level. So it's like, be able to know that and know that like, don't compare yourself, don't compare yourself to anyone and focus on the journey that you're having so that you can be really um, grateful and also very present to your unique experience. No teacher, no person knows everything. Everyone is just sharing their experience. Everyone's just sharing the best that they can with the tools that they have. And a lot of them work. <laughs> Find the yeah. ones that work for you. Um, there is hope, right? Like that's why we do this stuff. But, but, um, but be mindful of the age of social media and healing and know that, you know, as much as miracles happen there's also a thousand things that no one knows on the other side of that in order for us to put in the hard work right like I faced that too I was like going through one of the most magical times of my life you know engaged and um with my book deal and all these big things that were happening and I was also dealing with a lot of other emotional wounds that were coming up for me that were really hard and that I wasn't able to fully express I could hint at it but I couldn't fully express it and so it's so important to me as a healer as a person to let people know, like, girl, like, I promise you, do the work, things are going to get better. And, and, and try your best when you're reading a book, or you're signing up for a program to never put anyone on a pedestal, relate, I love that's why I was attracted to your work. And why we're, you know, we're having these conversations, because we both do share, especially in our intimate circles, when we're teaching, you know, here's what's going on. This was rough, I'm facing this in my house, or I'm going through this. But I'm here showing up for you. I'm showing up for myself and I'm practicing what I preach because I'm going to do something for myself. I'm going to figure something out. And so, you know, be gentle with yourself. Um, be compassionate. Don't compare. And, and, and things get better when you work at them. Yes. I love, I love, love, love. I love, I mean, I'm so excited for everyone to get this book. And I think, you know, it's so important what you said 
I always say like new level, new devil. <laughs> I don't like using the, the, the D word, but no, good. That, new level, new that, devil. I like it. That's like the, you know, it's true. And I think that's the, what is getting this grounded, getting your own, you really, in this book, you give people a process, right? You give people a process to work through and, you know, even if people use this process, a jump off point, right? As saying like, these are the tools that, you know, I went through all of them. These are the ones that have really like helped me get a hard shift, right? And like, keep these in your back pocket, right? And know that, okay, just exactly like you said, every new up leveling, every time you're like, okay, so first you, you're like, oh, I want to get this place in my career. Then you get there. Then you're like, oh, wow, now all this stuff I have to deal with here. Yeah. <laughs> go back to that. And I think That's that right. is actually part of having a healthy sense of self-esteem and a healthy centered balance is not making that mean that anything is wrong with you. That's right. right? That's right. Normalizing that you are right on track. If you can accept that, that even when life looks like it's throwing you off, it's not, it's exactly that is that you are just upgrading. And so in order to do that, your shell has to expand and your shell usually expands in this in physical incarnation by facing challenges to overcome them and gain access to the next level of you, the next level of your destiny, right? Your soul's destiny expansion. And in that little period that in between, it can be tough, but then afterwards there's always inevitably something that shifts to make it better always as long as you learn what you need to learn absolutely and enjoying enjoying the journey finding yep. you know i like to call it like that's why when i think about the word that i like to describe my life i like to think of as juicy because i feel like juicy just means you get like to experience the whole roller coaster right and when you like you made that comment about kind of like the monotone like sage yogi person right it's like they're not riding the like that's that's not to me a juicy life <laughs> you know yeah. it's like we get to experience the depth and you know Cahil Gabrin has a beautiful uh poem about joy and sorrow right and it's mm -hmm. the self-same well right the self-same well that we, our tears fill with sorrow is also like fills up with our joy Absolutely. and and so I think just embracing that, one of the things I wanted to end on, because I really love this, this has been a big part of my life. And I was like, what? When I saw it in your book, I was like, she's got a book. Um, is uh, Tikkun is about pretty much how to, um, I know this in the context of repairing the world. It's um, a Jewish yep. word that I learned through an organization that I work with. Um, to help do things to repair the world. But you also bring it in in relation to our wounds. So you can you share a little bit yeah. about this? So they think it's yeah. beautiful. So I pronounce it, I hope I pronounce it right too, but tikkun, right? Um, and, uh, but it's the same word, T-I-K-K-U-N. And it's the thing that your soul came to repair. So whether that be internally, in your case, it was with the world, right? And it is... So it's usually the lesson that you need to face that's come, that you come across time and time again. And so, uh, you know, maybe that's you always settle for less when you should be settling for more. And so if that's your tikkun, then your life journey will be to heal that tikkun, to repair it, to make it better. Ooh. And so then the klipot is the other kind of term from Jewish mysticism, which is like a shell that let's say the shell represents all those obstacles and inside is all the light. And when you repair the tikkun, you are chopping off the shell and you're accessing more light. And so you get to then upgrade whatever next level of your destiny is, right? So on a very practical level, when you have an obstacle that comes into your life, especially one that you've hit many times before, it is an, a time, a moment where there is either the reparate the, the repairing of that um tikkun internally or the repairing of that tikkun in the world and so for me that was one of the most life change I, I it changed my life when i realized that because i took responsibility for the fact that there was a deeper meaning and that i could actually say oh my god this is the wound this is the thing i came to repair and i like took it on like a like a like a video game you know I was like okay this is the one and I gotta do this and when I do this I'm gonna get to heal it and then I'm gonna access more light cool upgrade you know level 11 
<laughs> it more like a, a game of you know it wasn't a game because it was hard but yeah a game right like trials and tribulations and getting access to that next level of my destiny and it did it did change something for me and so i always share it with people with my clients with any in any of my retreats it's like this is a game changer if you can really you know look at that and see how, where is my tycoon you know what is the lesson that keeps coming up over and over for me and how can i repair this so that i can access that chop off that clip coat and access the light do you have an exercise or anything that you could give to someone that's trying to figure out what their tycoon is yeah one question what's the what's the same problem that you keep coming across over and over again so one thing you can look at is if it's easier for you to help you pinpoint an area maybe you can start with you know your relationships or work you know start with those two and see see if anything comes up for you um where's the one that you have the most issues in where you don't feel as much flow where you constantly yeah. feel like there's a part of you that doesn't feel worthy good enough or stuck in or that there's there's some sort of uh stagnation right look there there's going to be a link and yeah. you will notice it and that will be it write it down you know i think my tycoon is my tycoon is you know i have a fear of not being enough my tycoon is i have a fear of not being smart my tycoon is i have a fear of abandonment as we talked about earlier yeah uh, and so owning that is going to help you to realize that there's a shell around any obstacle picture an obstacle a shell and in that shell is the light and when you do the work you do the heavy lifting you get access to that light i love that that's your homework that's the homework for this episode is i like to give little homework assignments um that's your homework i want you to just journal and ask yourself what is that wound that keeps on coming up and i love what you said i love using the video game analogy so much for life and cuz i think it's so applicable and if you can really look at that and be like All right, that's my biggest dragon, right? Like now I got to slay the dragon. Now I got to really look at it. Now I got to get spiritual strategic, you know, use my ninja tactics on it and I'm going to crack it open and I'm going to get the gift that it has for me in there. Um and really claim that. I think also a beautiful part of of thinking about that is once again is is assuming that perhaps there not perhaps but that your soul wound is divinely designed right that that is part of what your journey is supposed to be here and that's not an accident that you're dancing with this yeah um, and i and i like to tell people it's like you know you get like let's say that you know the the worst thing happened right like again like i i told i wouldn't wish for any of that to happen but if it did right then i'm going to tell myself whatever i need to in order to say this happened and i'm going to believe that you know if this happens to me i better squeeze something good out of this i better because if not then whatever situation will get power right you want to call it the devil the darkness or exactly, yeah. whatever over something that i don't deserve so it it's more helpful to think in this kind of way so we can so we can give ourselves permission to say you know what i don't i don't believe that this should have been meant to be but this did happen to me and so I'm going to do whatever I can to not let this hold power over me to exactly. not let Exactly exactly and I think that thank you for that distinction because I do believe that that's you know it's something that uh spiritually we can hear and be like well why you know you're saying that like why would anyone what why would any child be born to an abusive parent or what not right but but I think I the reason why I share that as so much is because that was so such a big part of my shifting, right? Of yeah. saying, "Hey, yeah, I wouldn't wish this on anyone else. I don't want this for other kids. I don't want this uh, other people to experience some of the things I've had to experience in my life." But but if I say or if I if I decide to sign up for the belief that yeah. my soul chose this to learn something, to be able to help more people to be able to expedite my growth process or whatever then like exactly what you said it puts you back in the point of power gets you out of victim mode and from that space actually allows you to heal it so much faster exactly and that's the only that's the only tiny like distinction that i would make where i would tell someone if you've experienced something you can also say to yourself 
maybe this wasn't meant to be, maybe it wasn't whatever, but it happened. And so I have to do whatever it takes and whatever it takes is also assuming, you know, whatever you need to in order to heal this traumatizing thing that happened. And also, you know, one thing I mentioned in the book is like, you know, no, it shouldn't happen. And hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully there's better education programs for parents so that they learn how to actually do parenting well and healthy. And so we can assert responsibility where it's due, but also claim that spiritual. And so the two merge together. And, And I, in my path, it was very similar to that. I said, I don't, I didn't deserve for this to happen. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. And so I'm going to say that it was part of my unique path to go on this journey. And I, and I will do everything in my power for other parents and other people to not have to go through that and perpetuate the cycle again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Christine. It's been such a pleasure. Everyone go out. I'm going to put all the links below so you can buy her beautiful I'm Diosa book as well as stalk her all over the internet and see all the other beautiful things Christine offers. But, you know, as a little, you know, bow at the end of the episode, is there any, any message you want to leave the listeners with today? Yeah, I just want you to know how deeply worthy you are and how deeply loved you are and how deeply your soul is rooting for you your soul is there rooting for you rooting for you rooting for you thank you christine uh it's an honor honor to have you on